Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. What's going on? Jermaine Johnson. Tune in to Turn On The Jets Podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune in to the Turn On The Jets Podcast. With the fourth pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Sauce Gardner, defensive back, Cincinnati. I think he's going to be a star in the NFL. With the 10th pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Garrett Wilson. I think your Jets might be cooking with gas. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPot11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special guest today, Mike Kay, lead football reporter for uh, Pro Football Network. Uh, Mike, how are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Week two, season's already flying by. Before you know it, we'll be in new uh, meaningless games in November for the Jets. Hopefully not. But uh, after Sunday, no one would know any different. Um, obviously, you know, kind of just quickly catch up on last week, and then we'll kind of look forward to obviously the Browns, Browns and Jets on Sunday. Kind of a weird game Sunday. If we're being honest, I felt like, you know, I sometimes I think I think, you know, this and I think a lot of people forget this football kind of comes down, especially the NFL is like five or six plays and like the way it swings in that game could not have epitomized that anymore. The Jets, three or four of them, which self self inflicted wounds or miscommunication and it goes from a 10 three game in which very easily could have been 10 10 all of a sudden it's 24 to three and people are leaving the building so. Kind of what you see on Sunday, I guess, a little, I'm sure positives and negatives. Um, you know, we won't be too negative on the show. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it's not the best radio, but I completely agree with you. It was really four plays. It was the, it was the Flacco pick that got returned by Marcus Williams into the red zone, led to a field goal. It was the two uh, Devin DuVernay uh, jump balls. And it was really the, the, the 55-yard coverage breakdown with Rashad Bateman. That was really the difference. It was those four plays because the Jets, if we want to be positive here, did an absolutely phenomenal job of containing Lamar Jackson as a mobile quarterback. Absolutely phenomenal job. Um, I think that's been lost a lot here um, in a lot of the muck. But I think when you look at what they were able to do against a running game, I know J.K. Dobbins wasn't around, but I mean, Mike Davis has been an NFL starter. You know, they had, you know, uh, Kenyon Drake has been an NFL starter and they just couldn't run the ball. And I think that's a really promising sign for, as I wrote uh, Sunday, the defense that was basically the laughing stock of the league. I mean, they were terrible at stopping the pass. They were terrible at stopping the run. They couldn't do anything last year. And I think it's a massive improvement that you take an MVP quarterback who's one of the top three dual threat quarterbacks from an arm and a leg standpoint. And, and you kind of turn him on his head because the two other guys that really, you know, compare to him in, in Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, they lit it up uh, in a lot of ways, even when they had their moments of adversity. And I think 
you know, Lamar did what he needed to do from a passing standpoint. But for the most part, I was really, really impressed by how much they hit him, how much they contained him in the pocket and how much they forced him to be a passer. And, and that's really all you can do with Lamar Jackson. Sorry, still two years later and I still keep myself on mute and forget sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'd look, I thought the defense outside of those couple of plays, obviously the Jets never fall in fumbles, you know, then I think they hit the bomb right after that. It's like, they fall in that fumble, the game's different. You know, they, there's holding calls. The Corey Davis drop comes to mind early in the game. They just couldn't get it going on third down, and it, it caused a lot of problems. And I think it doesn't help. Look, the offensive line did not play well. Lincoln Tomlinson, I doubt you'll ever see play a worse game than he'll in his career. I, George Fant was very bad. Again, you give him the break because of a lot of stuff happened last week. Um, I just think people, you know, we saw a lot this week. I think quarterbacks that didn't play the preseason were like three and eight. And um, you look at on top of that, I just, the Jets don't haven't played their full offensive line barely at all camp. And, you know, it's not their fault. Look, they, <laughs> to an extent, I guess you could blame them saying they should have replaced Mekhi Beckton before knowing it's injury history. But generally speaking, you lose both, you're starting tackles. All of a sudden things start to, this is just what happens in the NFL. And unfortunately, you see it in Miami today, like Toronto Armstead, not for nothing. The fact that they're already bringing in Brandon Shell is not a great sign for the fact they're paying. It gets a big contract to be eaten. So um, was there anything that you saw, I guess, in the offensive side of the ball before we get into kind of pre, like looking towards Cleveland that gives Jets fans hope for Sunday? Because I assume it's going to be Garrett, guys like Garrett Wilson, like maybe get them involved more than for after <laughs> plays early on. And Carter and Hall had nice – had nice moments, but made some pretty big mental errors in the fumble and, and walk-in drop touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I was going to get to the running backs. I think, yes, again, they did make their mistakes. It's hard to find truffles in, in uh, the dump that the Jets offense took here. But I do think when you look at how well Carter and Hall actually ran the ball uh, in spurts, I think they looked very, very good. Um I think that's a positive. Uh, Garrett Wilson had the one play where he kind of bobbed and weaved through defenders. And I don't think a lot of wide receivers can accomplish that that early in their career. I mean, he showed off his basketball handles there a little bit. He's a guy, yeah, you want to see get the ball a little bit more. I think he has some yak ability that they can really take advantage, being the fact that Joe Flacco really can't move in the pocket whatsoever. Um, and look, that's tough when you have a bad offensive line and a stationary quarterback, you're not going to, you're not going to do very well. And I think, you know, as much as, look, I talked to Lincoln Tomlinson after the game, he said that Joe Flacco kept his composure despite getting hit a bajillion times, but composure is nice and everything, but if you can't be productive, it's tough. You throw 59 passes, you throw one touchdown. It's tough to win in the league like that. Uh, I thought I saw somewhere that he's like. Uh, I, I, I couldn't do the math on it, but he's like, one, he's, if he throws a thousand passes, he'll have 17 touchdowns or something like that. Like I saw some, some crazy stat on Twitter or whatever, but um, you know, look, I think in reality, Joe Flacco is probably a bottom three starting quarterback of the starting quarterbacks from week one. I mean, that's just a reality of the situation. I actually placed him at the very bottom. And so I think you're, you're having to overcome that. And you're not going to – look, I heard the, the calls from Mike White in the stadium, and they were valid, uh, no matter what the Jets want to say, um, because he, he did partially lose them the game. Um, 
but I think you've got to ride the young running backs. I think Michael Carter is one of the more underrated players in the entire league. I think Brees Hall was one of my favorite running back prospects the last three years. Garrett Wilson's up there as a wide receiver prospect. So I think, yeah, give it to the kids. Yeah, it's the one thing that was frustrating on, like I hate reading body language at times. I'm somebody that's been a victim of like, oh, your body language sucks. And I, I get it. So uh, trust me, I used to, when I was playing, it was the same situation of like, oh, dude, this and that, you know, whatever. I did not love the body language from Flacco on Sunday and then on post game to say we need more energy in the huddle. Respectfully, like that's your, you are, job. That's your job. So that yeah. to me is the one thing I, I was just like, look, Joe's been there and done it. I get it. He's well liked. He's, he's won it all. And that's all fantastic. I know he's a good, like, he's been really huge for Zach, but man, like that, you just can't be like pointing the finger of like, dude, that's on you. You're the veteran in the room. You're around other than Tomlinson. And I guess Connor McGovern, like you're the veteran there, like that. You're that guy, the whole rest of the receiving corn running backs are all first and second year guys for the most part. So um, didn't love that. But that said, I mean, uh, Joe Flacco is going to start Sunday. Browns have, uh, have won probably two or three best edge rushers in football. Um, obviously tortured Ikea Kwanu on, uh, on Sunday versus the Panthers. That said, that's, that's, a close, nice. that's, that's a close game that based on, you know, one fake spike or not a uh, spike play that got was botched. And, you know, Cade York, you know, more power to him, made a fantastic kick and something the Jets could have used on Sunday. Overall, and then we'll kind of get into each side of the ball, but overall kind of what's the thought process going in this game? Because on the outside of their first four games, this looks like probably the most winnable. I'm not sure. I would probably debate it, but Jacoby Brissett, a quarterback, I think, the NFL is a head coach quarterback league at the end of the day. You got to be able to beat quarterbacks that you feel like you're either just as good as or worse than. Well, let's start with the defense because I think that's the important one. That's how they win this game. Uh, they were able to corral Lamar Jackson as a runner. Well, guess what? You're facing another dual threat quarterback here with half the arm and half the escapability. So if you can really mitigate him as a performer in the pocket, or, or just really in general, you're going to be able to create turnovers. You're going to be able to force mistakes. You're going to be able to force fumbles. You've got to hit him. And I think they have a front. I was really impressed by the front seven. Really impressed. I think Solomon Thomas can have a really nice game in this one. I think the rotation that they've got going on the edge is, is working. I think at linebacker, they have the guys who can at least contain Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt for – for a bit until they get going. And I, I think the key to winning this game is the first half you have to hit Jacoby Brissett a lot and you really have to, you know, rotate because Chubb and, and Hunt really wear you down as a front. And that's what leads to bigger runs. So you're going to have to rotate heavily. You can't just be like, you know, Quincy Williams, be out there for the entire game. That's not how you beat a team that's so run proficient like this like this hard knocks team. And I think when you go to the offensive side of the ball, I, I think they've dealt with some injuries in the secondary. Their linebacker play could be better. Yes, their front is terrific. And you are going to see Joe Flacco get hit a lot. That's why you've got to run the ball. You've got to attack. Uh, you know, you've got to run north to south. You can't allow the edge rushers to contain this entire offensive attack. And I think this is a big game. Uh, for Carter and Hall. I think this is why you draft Hall is because you need somebody you can really lean on. This wouldn't be like a really great matchup on paper for Zach Wilson either. I, I think really this is a game where you win by running the football. Yeah, this is a game where 
I don't know. I think we were, um, I don't know if Joe and, and Connor were talking about on balance. I think the over-under is like 41 or something. And it's like, you very easily could see this game be a 17 to 14 football game where, um, you know, not that it's about the gambling, obviously, but it's more of just the concept of like, this is going to be a dog fight for lack of a better term, obviously, yeah. with the Browns uh, shitty new logo in the middle of their field. Um, but, you know, look, you have to keep them off guard. I thought I really liked like Michael LaFleur. I was impressed with a lot of the stuff from the offseason and what he did towards the back half of last year. I did think Mike McDonald had his number on Sunday pretty heavily. Again, there's a lot that goes into play calling. It's not just about drawing up the coolest play. There's a lot of reading the room of what you have, and I don't think he trusted Flacco to get out of the move, as you should not. Um, but it, it does allow teams to pin their ears back, and you know you can't maybe get into that seven-step play action game. You can't maybe get into you know the a lot of the stuff you want to get into. That said, I do think manufactured touches to Moore and Carter Hall and and McGarrett Wilson would do you a lot of good, um, and then you can you know be able to use guys like Conklin you know, Uzama and other folks to kind of chip on Miles Garrett, maybe run some 12 and 13 personnel. Didn't love the 13 personnel to start with Lawrence Cager being a feature. Thought that kind of blew up in their face a little bit. Probably would have been better for this game. Um, that said, I don't know if you feel the same way. I, I think the Browns ideally would like to be able to sit and dime and, and zone in a little bit and just rush with four. Um, am I off base there? I don't feel like it's like they want to get pressed no, fourth. I, yeah. That's why I like tight end screens in this game. I, I think you want bigger dudes running at this dime package. That's what you want to do. If you if, if somebody shows you dime, in my opinion, big people will beat up little people. So you're doing slot screens with Garrett Wilson. You're doing uh, you're, you're running plays. Uh, maybe you do a Texas route every now and then. Like you need to be able to attack these linebackers and these corners. Once you get past that first level, there's plays to be made. And I think uh, taking a great, it, taking away the aggressiveness of the Browns front it, it, with screens is a really smart move. Also, this offense, you know, you bring up LaFleur, this offense is meant to make running backs look good. Just focus on that. Stop putting so much pressure on, on Lincoln Tomlinson and, and Connor McDermott and, and, you know, Elijah and all these guys who – have a basically a statue behind them. Like, you know, I don't know if you ever worked retail, but if when I used to work at Express in college, you know, if if that mannequin uh, was even a little bit topsy turvy and somebody wasn't paying attention, somebody runs into it, it falls over. That's what Joe Flacco is. He's an Express mannequin. He does dress uh, well. I know. I'm not going to forget that uh, that analogy. I guess flipping to the other side of the ball. I almost think the Jets have to pretty much have play the same defense they played on Sunday and they'll keep themselves in the game. I, I almost think to an extent they can be a little bit more aggressive. I don't, I know that the Ravens were down, like, you know, Stanley didn't play and then Juwan James got hurt, but the Browns offensive line is not, they're, they're good. They're not two years ago, the Browns offensive line. And obviously there's not as much of a need to, there's a play that actually was, I thought was Carl, one of Carl Lawson's best of the day where he like, he blitzed and Lamar's him and kind of staring at each other. And it's like, who's going to flinch first. And I don't, you don't need as much of that. That said, Nick Chubb is a different animal. He is I mean, cream. Hunt's, cream hunts really good. Nick Chubb, like he's a lot. Um, it's almost yeah. similar to, you know, I kind of take it. There are different styles, but the Jets last year that did beat the Titans. I felt like their game plan on Derrick Henry was just don't let him break a big one. Like if he gets three, four, get down, like we, we trust ourselves. Um, 
Is that kind of the plan? Is like, do you think the Jets will probably be more aggressive in terms of their approach defensively? Because I know they do sometimes sit in a lot of four and three and kind of let their front four rush, but you don't really, you're not threatened by a lot of what the Browns have, especially with the way Reed and, and Sauce played on, on Sunday. I think you need to be creative. I think you need a stun game. And I think you really need to be able to acknowledge the fact that your linebacker, linebackers are taking on a heavy duty load here. And again, rotating personnel can help you here. Maybe it's that you play some bigger fronts. Um, I, I think you can get home from a pass rush standpoint, but I also think you need to be able to realize, look, the running game is what's going to win this for the Browns. It's what's going to win it for the Jets too. And you know, this is probably going to be a low scoring game. This is probably going to be one of those 20 to 17, 17 to 14, 17 to 13 style games. So make sure if you are aggressive, your linebackers are ready for it. Because if they're not, Nick Chubb will run them over. Without <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I actually, I thought was one of the more impressive things you mentioned early on last week. I thought Quan's usually a guy in, in the past who's been a more of a pass, you know, a coverage linebacker. He was not playing cover. Hey, he was physical on Sunday. He had a couple hits. Um, you know, Will Parks got called up today. Well, Jordan Whitehead, we likely won't see. Salah called him questionable, but he also said he was week to week, which to me is reading the tea leaves means he's not playing this weekend, which is a big loss, but. Um, I don't think the safety play is what you're focusing on. It's more your front seven and can you leave sauce and DJ Reed? I mean, look, the Jets invested a lot of money. They invest a lot of picks there. They looked good. As good, much as I like Amari Cooper, I do think you feel good about the Jets cornerback matchup saying we like our guys versus your guys. Donovan Peoples Jones beats you. He beats you and you live with that and, and you go, you know, maybe they, they, they did a better job than us. I will kind of go to from the perspective of like the coaching matchup, right? Obviously, Lafleur's the coach in Cleveland at one point with you know with Kyle and Stefanski's one of those better coaches. Do you think that you'll see from like the Jets' coaching perspective? Do you think it's important for them to start kind of like not just being like elevate their team? Obviously, quarterback wise, I, I do think that at some point we're going to need to see the Jets win the coaching battle in a game where you go, okay, Sal's the guy, and, and we feel good about him. He just got us a W where you see it around the league a lot. Yeah, I think you're playing an offense where from a defensive perspective, you've seen this offense a lot. You should know this offense pretty well. You also you see it every day in camp. <laughs> yeah, you have an offensive staff who knows this offense very, very well. And for a guy who's come out and said that he's keeping receipts, which I will get to later, please. I was just going to, I was just going to ask you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's on, it, look, I call it the covered solo when he was a linebackers coach in Jacksonville for two years. I think he's a very brilliant guy. I think he knows what he's doing. He can call a defense, but what he needs to do is prove that he's not like his former boss, Gus Bradley, and that really good defensive mind is he a good head coach? Because the answer for Gus Bradley, at least the first time around, was no. Um, and so I think for Robert, you know, everybody likes his temperament. They love him as a guy. He's a really, I mean, you know, you talk to people in the organization. Yeah. But at some point, you, when you say we're not the same old Jets, well, we've heard that with like the last four head coaches. At some point, you need to prove it. And I agree. I think from, you need to be able to we always talk about quarterbacks and raising the standard of the, of the players around them. Well, as a head coach, you need to be able to outthink uh, a colleague uh, who it comes from a very similar mindset and a similar coaching tree. Um, they're like basically kissing cousins on the coaching tree of the NFL. You know what I mean? So like you should know your cousin pretty well. 
And so I think, yeah, this is the game where, look, you've got a quarterback who is very easily confused. I, I shouldn't say that. That's not fair. Who's very easily manipulated by coverage and, and, and blitzing. Attack them. Attack them. You know what your, your personnel can do best. They've invested in this. I've been highly critical of Joe Douglas, who I covered in Philadelphia, but he had a, a runaway awesome offseason this, this year. And for, for, you know, solid and not answer back, kind of troublesome. He's got the front seven looking good. Let's see if he can put everything together and win a game because of it. Yeah, I was just going to ask you in terms of the, the receipts thing and, you know, I was talking to we had Jeff Lloyd on earlier in the week and he's, you know, obviously who covers the Browns and it was just a lot of the same stuff, the same old Browns, you know, obviously one of their first, first home open or first, you know, season opener, I think 15 or 16 years winning cures everything. Um, I think people forget that like the Jets organization was not founded in 2012, 98 to two, 1998 to 2011. They were in the playoffs at least 50% of the time. They won division titles. They made three AFC title games. They were pretty much over 500 every year in the years they weren't they picked high in the draft and then were immediately good again. And while quarterbacks have never been great with the jets, like this isn't some, like this organization was not this terrible organization where people looked at them and were like, here we go again. It's become that. And there's no question. And like, as much as I'd love, hate to admit it, like I get a lot of the same old jet stuff. Do I think it's easy for clicks? Of course it's obviously it's New York. Plus it's a negative story. So we all know how that's, you know, that can go, but Sal came out today and, and, I liked his comments better. He kind of elaborated on like it's same old jets until we prove otherwise. And that's my point. It's just when you win, look, I joked about this a few minutes ago. If they're one and one coming back home to play the Bengals next week in a team that they beat in a year ago, it's the AFC champs coming into town. You're one and one, you're off a road win. One they only won one road game under Salah. Zach could come back next week realistically because he's already behind on the timeline anyways. And he's practicing and looks good that building's going to be electric. People are going to go, oh, maybe the Jets have something. All of a sudden, you go two and one. The whole script of your season's flipped. On the other side, if you say a bunch of stuff about receipts and then you go 0 oh, and 2 and get dog-walked by the Browns without a quarterback, there's going to be some questions. So I didn't kind of mention a little bit, but the receipt stuff, did you – were you surprised that Salah was that fiery? You Normally, he's pretty, like, reserved and, and not saying anything crazy, uh, you know, oppressors. I think he needed to show that to the locker room, but to me – it's like, look, if you've been to the same restaurant for 10 years and the service is always bad, but you go there out of convenience because it's down the street and you complain about the chicken, like every time you go, but your wife kind of likes the place. She likes the people that own it, whatever. Uh, it's like, what do you expect? Like those receipts aren't wrong just because you eventually improve the menu, right? Like that's, that's the, the reality of the situation. Um, just like a place, you know, is better under new management. Cool. Well, until that management takes effect, it's the same old place. And I think that's where Sala finds himself. And look, I know, I think it's frustrating to be held to the former standard. I get it. But the bar is so freaking low. Like, here, here's the thing. I was talking to somebody uh, on my pro day tour or my training camp tour when I was in Washington. And it's like, the bar is so low for Carson Wentz, so low that he should be able to go out there and perform with a clear head, take chances, do things that look, worst case scenario, at least he's not 
post-injury Robert Griffin III, right? You know, hopefully he's not Taylor Heineke when he struggles. You know, like that's the type of thing. And I think Robert Sala is in this spot where he knows they've improved this team all around from a roster standpoint. He knows that this is the second year of Zach Wilson's career. He knows that they have three first round picks. He like, there's so much invested in this team and for him to not deliver, he's seen this act before. Look, he was in Jacksonville. He saw what happened there. Uh, but he's also been in San Francisco and he does see what investing in a team and, and being a very good coach can do. So he's seen both sides of that. And I think for him, it's like, geez, there's a lot here, but I'll say this, look, the giants, uh, new staff has complained about people, New York reporting and whatever. And that was just like the tip of the iceberg, man. Like they won last week and people were talking about how the snap count for the, for Kadarius Tony was down. You know what I mean? So it's like, you're not going to escape it. And I think what he was trying to say there is, look, let's rally around each other. But it also comes off kind of desperate, in my opinion, because it's like, cool. So that's the speech you do when you win like three games in a row. You know, it's like, yeah, I have I wasn't expecting a week one. Yeah, that just kind of seemed like a desperation move. But look, the guy's been through the ringer really from an injury standpoint. You lose your starting left tackle, you lose your number two fill-in left tackle, you lose your quarterback. Uh, It's a lot. And and frankly, those injuries and and his rush to judgment have made him look foolish or, you know, what have you. So I think it's just, it's a thing where a lot of frustration builds up. He's a passionate guy and it just kind of came out. I don't begrudge him for it, but I also think it's like, come on guy, read the room. Yeah, Yeah, no, I mean, look, I think if they lose 24-13 on Sunday, Zach Wilson stuff doesn't happen. No one expects him to come back. I think we're, I'm not sure people are in the same level of frustration. I did take issue with fans thinking that he was talking to them. It had nothing to do with the fans. He was talking to his locker room and some of the media, it's a backhanded way of kind of, you know, giving a slap on the head to some of the media. And I, I thought, look, and obviously I mean, we can, you know, wrap, but it's at the end of the day, winning cures everything. And people don't want to be told the same thing all the time. You, you put it best, and I tried to explain this uh, doing radio yesterday or two days ago. I can't begrudge people for being angry about them starting off slow again, at least the opener, because you can't just delete the last 10 years of history from your brain. That said, it's also unfair to a staff that's 18 games in and had their starting quarterback for 12 of them or 13 of them, and it was a rookie rebuilding roster to be like, oh, let's fire everybody already. I don't. I'm not going to go that far. That said, again, some of the product that's on the field is also on Joe Douglas. So, like, we, you know, it's, it goes hand in hand. And, you know, for whatever reason, you criticize Sala, it's easy. And if you criticize Douglas, no one wants to hear it. Um, part of the job in New York is to be a, a spokesperson. And, um, you know, that's that's part of the job. You, you look across, you know, I'm a Yankee fan. Everyone knows that. And I don't think Aaron Boone has all this power. I do think some things he does a bad job of. But, He's also talking for Brian Cashman, who talks three times a year, right? So you have to have to just remember, like, that's the dynamic. That's the power structure. And there's always going to be un- unnecessary blame on coaches and quarterbacks and unnecessary praise at times as well. I guess you don't have to give me a score prediction, but realistically, where do you kind of see Sunday going, you know, from a results standpoint? Do the Jets have a chance Sunday? Um, or is this a game that's going to look very similar to uh, from to last Sunday against the, against the Ravens? I think they definitely have a chance. I think this is a close game. I I can see it being a three or four point game. It comes down to the end, but I do think the Browns are 
built better offensively. And I think that that could be the difference. I, I'm a really big Nick Chubb fan. I think I had him as my offensive player of the year because I think they're going to have to lean on him so much those first 11 games. Uh, and look, I think it's not just him, right? It's Kareem Hunt. It's Donovan Peoples-Jones. It's Amari Cooper whenever he wakes up. Uh, you know, they paid David Njoku a ton of money, but he had like one catch last week. Uh, you know, so maybe there's something there. Uh, but I, I just, I do think the Browns are a better overall squad. Um, if Zach Wilson's starting this game, I think that the Jets would have a better shot, but not much better. But I do, I do agree with you. I think this is the one that they could really steal. Yeah, you just got, you got to build momentum. You come home, you come home with, you know, when, with a victory on the road, the narrative around this team changes quickly. And it solves a lot of issues. All of a sudden, you are looking forward to Zach Wilson returning. You have hope going to MetLife in the week three. There's the division's wide open. New England's terrible. Miami's already, you know, the offensive line's already getting beat up. Like, and then if you look at that game, it was a lot closer than I think people realize. Um, you know, you looked at the box score, it looks a little different than if you actually watch the game back. So other than Buffalo, this division, I still think is very much a fight for second. Realistically, Miami's in the lead, but. There's a lot of a lot of football left, but obviously appreciate you hopping on the show. Make sure you guys are following Mike on Twitter. His work at Pro Football Network. Um, he wrote a really good piece post game, uh, you know, on Sunday. You know, you see more of that, and you know, obviously always uh, always welcome back on the show. And we can always you know talk a little little Philly, you know, uh, little cheesesteaks and, and, and other things. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I'm in South Jersey, so technically I'm like adopted by all fan base yeah it's unfortunate you get a giants jets and eagles mix which is uh i'm sure a, it's, a t- it's a tame bunch uh as connor it's hughes very can attest, it's a connor it's hughues can attest loud. to south jersey is uh it's an interesting uh an interesting mix but hey at the end of the day the yankees are gonna win the title and no one cares about the mets and the phillies but <laughs> 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 no nah, i appreciate you having on mike thanks will